Hi everyone. Uh, so it's the the day that Rachel Imenu, Rachel the matriarch, her soul left this world, and I wanted to give a short uh, lesson from the Zohar and uh, what it, what Rachel Imenu, what Rachel the matriarch, really means for me. So I'm in uh, verse 291 in the Zohar of Vayetze, and so I'm going to read and translate, and then we'll find the lesson in it. Shoel. So there's a pasuk that says, So it says that uh, uh, God remembered uh, Rachel, Rachel, and she, he listened to her, and he opened her womb. So why does it have to say uh, the name of God, Elohim, twice? It should have said just short. Uh, he listened to her and he opened her uh, womb. Umeshiv in this answer. One Elohim was for the uh, world of male, which is Bina, which is called Elohim. And one is for the world of female, which is Nugva of Ziranpin. Which is also called Elohim. So there's two aspects of Elohim coming from different sides of uh, two different worlds. Because the uh, aspect of giving birth is, uh, is uh, hanging on the idea of Mazal. Which comes from the world of male. Like it says before in the Zohar that... Um, uh, childbirth depends on the aspect of mazal, which literally means luck, but there are many different uh, uh, translations to the word. And when Rachel was awoken by this idea, uh, by the uh, the childbirth of Binyamin, uh, Benjamin, like it says in the Pasuk, God gave me another son, which is Benjamin. Yaakov, Jacob, Rachel's husband, that she would be the one, she would be the mother to complete the 12 tribes. So altogether there were 12 tribes and Benjamin was the last one and Benjamin was the son of Rachel. And Jacob knew that Rachel wouldn't live after she would give birth, which is what happened. That's why Jacob wanted to take Rachel to Eretz Yisrael, to the land of Israel, so that the Shvatim, the 12 tribes, would be completed uh, in Israel. And that Rachel wouldn't have to die outside of Eretz Yisrael, outside of uh, Israel. But Jacob wasn't able to go with Rachel to Israel and the rest of his family because Lavan, uh, Laban, uh, I think it's called in the Bible, uh, the English, w- w- uh, Lavan was uh, making sure that Yaakov was staying. He was keeping him back. And after Benjamin, uh, after Rachel became pregnant with Benjamin, Yaakov. He, he left and he went to Israel. And so that the house um, wouldn't be completed 
uh, when the twelve tri- when the twelve tribes were finished. And that the nukva of Zeranpin, which is a certain aspect of female aspect, would uh, not be connected to something that's outside of Israel. So what was happening was that Yaakov was trying to pre- prevent the idea that the Shechina, the Bait, was not going to be stuck in a place that was outside of Eretz Yisrael. And so the pasuk goes on to say, the verse goes on to say, that uh, go back and I will be with you. So why does the pasuk have to say, uh, I will be with you? What's the question of I will be with you? And the answer is, So uh, the Creator said, Until now, uh, Rachel, Rachel, was the uh, uh, the main aspect of the house. She was the, uh, you could say, the the real, like, the column that held up the house. And so the Creator said, I will, I will be with you and I will take the house. And the, the house represents the Shechina, the female aspect of God. And so me, the, me, the Shechina, and uh, Yaakov and the Shvatim, they will be together, but without Rachel, because Rachel had to pass away. And that's why it says in the Pasuk, uh, Jacob is quoting that in Padan, where uh, Rachel died, no, in Beboi Mipadan, where Yaakov, where Jacob came from, uh, Rachel died, it says, Alai, on me or by me. What does it mean, Alai? Alai haya, bishvili haya davar, shrachel nitchet. What does it mean that Rachel died? Is that Rachel passed away because of me. We all know the story that uh, Rachel was the one who hid the idols of her father. And uh, because of that, uh, Jacob said that whoever was holding the idols, even though he didn't know, he still cursed the person who was holding the idols. And eventually, because Jacob was a tzaddik, uh, Rachel was going to die. So the pasuk says, the verse says that because of me, Rachel died. And so, because of me, uh, Rachel was uh, sort of kicked out of the house, which is the Shechina, and instead, HaKadosh Baruch Hu came to join with Yaakov. So what does this really mean? What I, what I got from it was that Rachel was the central part, the central aspect, the whole idea of the house. So there's a feeling when you're in your home and you feel safe, and you feel like nothing can touch you because you're protected by God and by the Creator, that feeling is what I think that Rachel the Matriarch represents. When you feel safe, when you can ask for something and you, can, and you know that the Creator can give it to you, it's as if Rachel the Matriarch is helping you ask the Creator. And so, thank you and have a great day. Okay, hi everyone. So as we know, today is Rachel's death anniversary, Rachel Matriarch's death anniversary. But more specifically, today is Yud Aleph Cheshvan, or the 11th day of Cheshvan, which in Hebrew calendar is the second month. So I'm going to talk about Rachel, but first I just want to talk about this specific day. And if you start from Rosh Hashanah, which is the beginning of the Hebrew New Year, and you go until now, it's 41 days, which is cool, but like why, what's the significance of 41? So if you take the word M in Hebrew, which means mother or mom, it's equal to 41. The numerical value is equal to 41. So again, like what's the significance of that? 
specifically today is Rachel's um, death anniversary, and it's 41 days, and that means mom. So we can see that Rachel is this mother figure and this leader that we can all look up to. So if she's this leader and this mother figure, and even in the Bible or the Torah, we see that she's described as beautiful and her figure is very beautiful and her face is nice and pretty, then why is her death anniversary in the month of Cheshvan, which is Mal Cheshvan, Bitter Cheshvan, a, a month that doesn't have any holidays? You know, why can't you put in Tishrei with all the rest of the holidays or maybe in Adal with Purim? Why does it have to be in this specific month that doesn't have any holidays? So to explain this, first you're going to look at the word Cheshvan, which if you take the, the first letter, Chet, and the last letter, Nun, and you put it together, you get the word chen, which means grace or beauty. So you would think, okay, so yeah, that makes sense. You know, if Rachel's described as beautiful, you would say that, oh, you know, like chashvan can be beautiful. That's why. But no, if you take the word chen and you associate it with woman, another thing that comes up is eshetrael, which is a song that is usually read on Friday night, and it means woman of valor. But instead of being something positive as, you know, it would fit, it rather says shekel achen, beauty is deceit or um, the deceit of beauty. So keep that in mind and I'm going to explain now the inner part of cheshvan. So the, the two middle letters in cheshvan is shin and vav, which is equal to 306, it's the numerical value of shin and vav. And how does this relate again? So if you take the word isha, the numerical value is also 306. Now, how do we tie this all together? What's chen, what's isha? How does, how does that relate to Rachel? If we look at chen, beauty, which is on the outside of the word chashvan, we see that that's external beauty, and that's deceit, or that's shekel chen. But if we look inside of the word chashvan, we see isha. And this really relates to lachad, because not only was she beautiful on the outside, and that's okay, you can of course be beautiful on the outside, but it depends on the inside. Are you isha, are you a woman, are you a leader, are you like lachad... Who, who was truly a leader for everyone? Or are you just beautiful on the outside? And, you know, like, maybe I do bad things, but I, I'm okay. I'm, I'm okay on the outside. So that's what I want to take away from today, that we can all be Isha on the outside. We can all bring Al-Khad inside us so that we can be beautiful on the inside as well on the outside. Hi, everyone. So I would like to follow a little bit of numerology and what my daughter Rachel who was named after Rachel the matriarch, has started. And, you know, as you know, we just finished the high holidays. And in Kabbalah, there are 12 months of the Jewish year, and there's different types of months. So the month of Nisan, which is in the spring, which is the month uh, that Passover happens in, is called the father of all the months of the year. And the month of Tishrei, that we just finished, the month of Libra, is called the mother of the year. Tishrei is where all the high holidays happen. And the shofar, the ram's horn that we blow on Rosh Hashanah, symbolizes the womb of the mother. And its blast is like the birth of a new year. And the numerical value of Rosh Hashanah is 861. And if you take, like my daughter was saying, 41, which is M, if you take 1 plus 2 plus 3 all the way up to 41, you'll get 861. So 41, as we said, is mother. 861 is the value also of the holy temple. 
Now, what does this mean? The holy temple symbolizes the woman, symbolizes the holy sanctuary of a family, the holy sanctuary of a home. Now, before blowing the shofar on Rosh Hashanah, we meditate on the 22-letter name of God, whose numerical value is 1681, and that is 41 squared. And this is the name that was encoded in the blessing of the high priests. Now, why does this all matter? The day of passing of Rachel the matriarch is the 11th of Cheshvan today, which, as we said, is 41 days after Tishrei, the beginning of the new year of the mother or female months. And this full 41-day period is basically a continuation and an extension of all of the spiritual work that we did during the high holidays. Everything that we did from Rosh Hashanah all the way through till today is being manifested today. So all the hard work that we did on the high holidays, all the repentance, all the asking for forgiveness, all of the resolutions that we made, today is like when it's born, when the manifestation comes out. And so for me, and you know, it's really a big merit for me that my children are also teaching, but for me, this day reminds me of the power of the woman, the power of understanding what a woman really is and how much we as women hold our whole families up and we can either build a holy sanctuary of spirituality and study or we can succumb to all of our negativities. Rachel didn't have time to deal with her negativities. She didn't have time to deal with any of her fears. She plowed through because she knew that from her would come very, very sacred and important people. Us as women and mothers especially, if we understand that we don't have time to deal with our negativities. That's not what's important. We are the seed level of our families. We are the seed level of building a holy sanctuary in our home. That's what we need to remember. And we can help more and more people that way. Thank you. I just wanted to tell you a story that the Zohar brings through, the ver through a verse from the book of Jeremiah. So I'm going to read you the verse and then I'll tell the story. And in English, thus said, thus said Hashem, a voice is heard on high, wailing, bitter, weeping. Rachel weeps for her children. She refuses to be consoled for her children, for they are gone. Now, this verse Jeremiah wrote um, about right after the destruction of the Holy Temple, the first Holy Temple. And the Zohar, brings, the Zohar brings the following story. After the destruction of the Holy Temple and after the Israelites were taken into exile, a voice woke up Abraham the Patriarch. And he got up from his grave. And he woke up the rest of the, patri the, rest of the patriarchs, Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, Leah, Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses, Yehoshua, Joshua. And they all, they all woke up and they went from one by one. Avraham, so Yaakov went to Moshe. He said, uh, where are my children? Uh, you, took the, you took them out of Egypt. You're suppo you were supposed to bring them here. They're exiled. Where are they? What happened? 
Moses said, I don't know, I left them with Joshua. He brought them into the land. So they go to Joshua, they woke him up. Joshua says, I, I brought them here and I did my job. I don't know what happened. So they all go to God. Imagine, just all, the, all the patriarchs and all the matriarchs, Moses and Joshua, they all come, they all come into, into God's throne room. Not an actual throne room, but you know, imagine they all charge into God's throne room. They're all very angry. He said, God, where are our children? You promised us this land, and now they're not here. You destroyed their, t- their temples, destroyed, they're kicked out of their own land. What happened? So the first one to complain was Abraham, and God tells Abraham, you know, they didn't keep my promise. We made a promise, between. The, uh, there was a promise made between Abraham and God. I can't... I kept my side of the promise. I brought I, went, I brought them to Egypt. I took them out of Egypt. I, put, I got I brought them to Israel, but they didn't. But they didn't keep the Torah. They didn't. They didn't do what I told them to do. So Abraham said, if they didn't keep their promise, they didn't keep the promise, and he left. And it basically happened the same thing over and over with every single every single one of the people there: Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah, Rivka, Leah, Moses, and Joshua, until only Rachel remained. And every time I tell this story, it's really hard for me not to cry. And Rachel tells God, where are my children? God explains to her again, they didn't keep my promises, they were, they were worshipping idols, they were stealing from each other, they were killing each other, it was, it was horrible. I had to destroy the temple, I had to exile them. And Rachel says, it doesn't matter, where are my children? I did worse things, I, put, I brought idols into my own home. And the thing he's taught, the thing that uh, she's talking about is that when Rachel was leaving the house of Levan, um, she wanted him, she wanted to stop him from doing idol worship. So she actually stole the idols. So that's, that's stealing and bringing idols into your home. And she brought them into her own tent. And when Levan came into her tent to look for them, she hid them. She sat on top of them, and she lied that she hadn't seen where they go. So Rachel goes to God and says, God, I did way worse things. Where are my children? And she started crying, and she wouldn't stop, and, and she just wouldn't stop crying. And God says, please, please stop crying. And Rachel just keeps crying and wailing, where are my children? Where are my children? And this verse in Jeremiah, when it says that a voice is heard on high, that's Rachel's voice crying for her children, and it's... To this day, once we're still in exile, and until until Mashiach comes, until the redemption is brought, there will always be somebody crying to God, "Where are my children?" And the thing that I think we can learn from this, learn from Rachel tonight, is one that when nothing else seems to work, cry. Just cry. And because right, right after this verse, God continues, God goes on to promise to Rachel, okay, I'll bring them back. I'll bring them back. And so through Rachel's crying, and today, yesterday, ever since the exile, Rachel has been crying every day to God, where are my children? And the perseverance that Rachel shows, and the undying love and care and protection, that I think that's the biggest thing we can draw from tonight, or today. Thank you.